Hi, I'm Pastor Nick Stavropoulos of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. We are so grateful that you have joined us for today's online service. Recently, we celebrated Easter. Easter was and is that first Sunday, that beautiful Sunday when Jesus Christ rose from the dead victorious over the grave. And I shared with you some marvelous truths about Easter just recently. And then last week, I shared with you on the theme of what's next. What's next? Well, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, begins to tell us a little bit about what's next after the resurrection of Jesus. John 20, verse 19 says, That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They were filled with joy. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. My friends, in part one last week, I shared with you from these verses these, these two initial truths. The first truth, as you can see on the screen, was and is this. Jesus models for you and me how to show love, compassion, and forgiveness even to people who disappoint us in a big way. Jesus had been so disappointed by the disciples. They had abandoned him, rejected him, all kinds of things. We would have thought that when he appeared to them in this room, that he would have blasted them. Instead, he blessed them and said, Peace be with you. Then we also talked about how Jesus wants to help you and me, to help us go from being filled with fear to being filled with peace. That's what Jesus wanted these disciples to experience. And that's what he wants you and me to experience as well. So we focused on those two truths in part one of this message. Now today, in part two, I want to lead you to this first beautiful truth. It is this, number one, Jesus has given you and me a purpose and a mission in life. He has given you and me a purpose and a mission in life. What is that purpose and mission? Well, our purpose and mission is given to us, told to us in verse 21, where we read, Again he said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What marvelous truth from Jesus himself. Each one of us, each one of us is to be a mouth to speak for Jesus, hands to do his work, feet to run his errands, and finances 
to support Christ's mission. That's what he was saying to those disciples and to you and me. Dr. William Henderson, who is a great Bible scholar, beautifully writes in his commentary these words. He says, Every believer also has an important duty, namely the duty of bearing witness joyfully. The duty of bearing witness joyfully and incessantly. In a recent message, I liked how our associate minister, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar said, she said, contagious Christians intentionally share their faith with others. That was beautiful, Dr. Lisa. Ultimately, what? What is the purpose and mission which the Lord has given to you and to me? Well, Jesus makes known his mission for us very clearly in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Why don't you read, why don't you read those verses with me from the screen, beginning at verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My friends, that is our mission. That is our mission in our individual families, in your workplace, in your school, when you are able to go to school. That is our mission through these online services and through our radio broadcast. That is why we pray for and give to support our missionaries around the world. And I want to say a very, very big, big thank you to the many of you who have given generously towards our recent world mission or world evangelism goal of $60,000. Praise God. Thank you for all that you have given. Blessings on you. There, there's a beautiful song. We technically call it a hymn. A hymn which, which uh, is called we have a story to tell to the nations. And the words say this. They say, We have a story to tell to the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right. A story of truth and mercy. A story of peace and light. A story of peace and light. And then the chorus, the chorus says, For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and light. Then another verse says this, it says, We've a message to give to the nations that the Lord who reigns up above has sent us his Son to save us and show us that God is love and show us that God is love. Wow, beautiful words, marvelous truth. Isn't it incredible, isn't it marvelous to think that Jesus, who made the whole universe, has entrusted you and me to spread his mission? 
It's an awesome thought, isn't it? It really is. But before you can sense or have a, a burden for carrying out Jesus' mission, you yourself have to become a sincere follower or disciple of Jesus. So the question, the question is, are you a wholehearted disciple, believer, follower of Jesus? How can you be? Well, here's how. Pray and ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. Pray and ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. And you can be forgiven because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine. Believe that indeed Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. And that on the third day he rose victorious over the grave. That's what Easter is all about. Commit your life. Commit your life to Jesus. We might say it in another way. Dedicate. Dedicate your life to Jesus. Have you done so? I encourage you to do so. As you and I look ahead this week and to the next few months, who, who in our circle of relationships can you and I pray for and try to encourage to become a believer, a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. The, more, the most important thing that you and I can ever do is to encourage and to help someone to put their faith in Jesus so that when their time on earth comes to an end, their eternal home, their eternal dwelling place will be in heaven with the Lord. That's how important it is for you and for me to share our faith and trust in Jesus. Amen? Let me take you to a second beautiful truth, and it is this. Jesus wants you and me to receive the Holy Spirit. This truth comes from verse 22, which says, Then he, Jesus, breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. What Jesus wanted those early disciples to experience, he wants each of us to also receive the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says these words. Why don't you read it with me from the screen? So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And then if we are to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, won't you read it with me from the screen? And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you 
as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance. He'll give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Did you catch? Did did you catch that beautiful promise where the Bible verse says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own, as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. What an incredible promise. By giving you his Holy Spirit. Those of you Those of us who have believed in Christ, we have received the Holy Spirit. You can accomplish more for the Lord than you think you can. A whole lot more. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit working with you, in you, and through you. Praise the Lord. That's why. Isn't that marvelous? You have the Holy Spirit working with you, in you, and through you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Some of you might be wondering as to what is the difference? What is the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the answer. Now, are you listening carefully? Listening? All right, follow me on this now. It's beautiful. When a person repents of their sins and begins to believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit becomes resident in us. He becomes resident, R-E-S-I-D-E-N-T. He becomes resident in us. After we first become believers, we have the privilege of later coming to a point where we say, Lord, I surrender every room, every every nook and cranny, every closet, all that I am, I surrender everything to you, dear Lord. We can come to that point. We can say, Lord, fill me now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Yes, you and I can do that. Up until that time, we would say the Holy Spirit has been resident in us. Then when we sincerely pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we truly make him president. We make him president, P-R-E-S-I-D-E-N-T. That's true. We make him president in us. In the Church of the Nazarene, we also call that entire sanctification. Coming from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Entire sanctification. My friends, it is wonderful to have the Holy Spirit resident in us, but it is even better to have him be president in us and over us. So where do you stand today? Where do you stand? 
Is he resident? Or have you also made him president? Where do you stand? Earlier in this message, we spoke of how Jesus has given you and me a mission. He's given us a mission, a purpose and a mission. We need, you and I need, the presence and the power of His Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. We need, we need His presence and power in us to help you and me carry out His mission. We really do. In fact, there's a Bible verse, Acts 1.8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? It's marvelous. By the way, just before we move on to our next major truth, Let's look at verse 23 in John's Gospel, chapter 20, chapter 20, verse 23, which says this. Uh, read it with me from the screen. It says, If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. They are not forgiven. Now, some of you might be puzzled as to what that verse really means. I used to be puzzled until I finally figured it out. I want us to be clear. No one can forgive another person's sins except God. Are we clear on that? What verse 23 means is that if someone, if someone, for example, says to you, friend, I truly seek forgiveness for my sins. I repent of my sins. Then you can say, you can say this, you can say, I want you to know on the basis of God's holy Bible, you are forgiven. You are forgiven, my friend. You can declare that. If a person, however, says they are unwilling to repent, then you can truthfully say, I am sorry, but you are not forgiven because you are unwilling to repent. That's what that verse means. You got it? Got it. All right. All right. Let's move on to our next exciting truth. Truth number three. Read it with me from the big screen, would you? Jesus knows what you and I are thinking. And he knows how to help each of us come to sincere faith in the resurrected Jesus. This truth comes from what we see happen between Jesus and the disciple Thomas. Let's read together, starting at verse 24. You can see it on the screen. Let, let's read together, starting in verse 24. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, 
I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I just want to make sure we all understand what happened here. On the first Sunday, Easter, when Jesus rose from the dead, that Sunday evening, Jesus appeared to the disciples who were meeting in a room um, with the doors locked because they were afraid the Jewish leaders or the Roman soldiers might also arrest them and crucify them. The disciple named Thomas, however, was not with them that Sunday evening. Sometime after that Sunday evening, the other disciples must have seen Thomas somewhere and said to him, We have seen the Lord. Then the second part of verse 25 tells us Thomas's response. Second part of, well, start at verse 25. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Verse 26 then tells us that eight days later, eight days later the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then, then, that was verse 26. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Wow. The doors were locked, but Jesus miraculously entered the room. I wonder, I wonder if when Jesus first went into the room, I wonder if Jesus maybe, maybe said, um, Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. If he did, Thomas was probably speechless. You have to wonder, you have to wonder if Jesus had maybe, maybe wanted to smack Thomas on the head for his unbelief and, and say, you know, so you don't believe, you don't believe I'm risen from the dead. Kind of, you know, you wonder about that. But the truth is, Jesus didn't smack Thomas on the head, and he didn't ball him out, as we might have thought miraculously, 
Jesus knew what Thomas had said and what he had been thinking. And verse 27 tells us what Jesus did. Verse 27, once again. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Believe. How did Jesus know what Thomas needed to truly believe? How did Jesus know what Thomas needed? He knew because Jesus was God in the flesh. That's why. Did Thomas end up putting his finger in Jesus' wounds? The Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us. What we do know is that his encounter with Jesus definitely helped him to come to sincere faith in the resurrected Jesus. And in verse 28 it says, My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, My Lord and my God. Jesus also wants you and me to come to a point in our lives where we also cry out, my Lord and my God. Can you also say, can you also say, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my God. It's our wish and our prayer that you can say that wholeheartedly. What happened to Thomas? What happened to Thomas in the years afterwards? We, we don't know for sure, but there is an apocryphal book called The Acts of Thomas, which tells us that Jesus appeared to him at night and told him to go to India to preach the gospel, to preach the good news that Jesus died for the sins of men and women of mankind, that he rose victorious over the grave on the third day, and that he is alive, and that he, Jesus, forgives our sins. So it is said that Thomas went to India. In fact, the Thomist Church, T-H-O-M-I-S-T, the Thomist Church in South India traces its origin to Thomas. As far as we know, Thomas's purpose and mission was to encourage people in India to put their faith and trust in Jesus. You and I have a similar mission to carry out, to carry out in our families, our community, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we are. Let's do it to the best of our ability, through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In regards to Thomas finally coming to believe <clears throat> that Jesus had risen from the dead, in John 20, verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, he said, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me.
Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Those words remind me of what Jesus spoke earlier in John chapter 4, verse 48. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Dr. William Henderson so accurately says in his commentary on the Gospel of John, he says this, Faith which results from seeing is good, but faith which results from hearing is more excellent. This is the clear lesson of Scripture throughout. Faith which results from seeing is good, but faith which results from hearing is more excellent. And so I ask you today, do you have this personal, personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to begin to put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if this prayer expresses your heart's desire, would you pray it right where you are? You can pray it softly. You can pray it out loud. Whatever you wish. But it must be sincere. Don't pray it just because Pastor Nick of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene is asking you to pray this prayer. No, no. It needs to come from your heart and from your head. And so I'm going to keep my eyes open as I lead you. But would you, would you follow in this prayer with me and pray? Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know I can be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins and rose victorious over the grave on the third day. Thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, because you are risen, I invite you by your Spirit to come into my life, to come into my heart. You have said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Come in, dear Lord, into my heart. Come into my life. And dear Lord, as I begin my journey with you, I truly want you to be resident in me by your Spirit, through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help me. Help me to share, and to spread the mission of Jesus to my family, my friends, my community, my workplace, my school. Help me to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen.